And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On the day of the funeral, everything felt too familiar. The pews were filling up with the same people who were here the week before. The same family was waiting out in the narthex. And our organist, Rick, was even playing some of the same music as people were walking in. I stood right here in front of the gathered congregation and I asked everyone to stand for the family. Leading the procession were two daughters who were about to bury their father after burying their mother the week before. Their grief and pain and anger were palpable as they slowly walked down this, our center aisle, and everyone watched them as they passed by. And we did what we do for a service of death and resurrection. We prayed, we opened up the hymnals, and we proclaimed God's word through song. We listened, we grieved, we cried. As we finished, I watched the pallbearers stand up and surround the coffin With hands shaking in nervousness and fear, they carried their friend's body out of this church and put him in the hearse. And we did what we do when we traveled to a cemetery. We got in our cars and we turned on our hazard lights. We followed one another through the streets of Stanton. We watched cars slow down out of respect for what we were doing. We drove, we listened, we grieved, we cried. We arrived at the cemetery and I watched the same pallbearers carry the coffin to the grave over uncertain soil. With sweat perspiring on their foreheads, they lowered their friend to the ground and they stood beside the family. And we did what we do by the graveside. We prayed. We listened. We placed dirt on the coffin. We said what we needed to say. We listened. We grieved. And we cried. After the final amen, I waited by the grave with a few others. I did what I did so that I could comfort the family and they would not feel alone. While I was standing there, I overheard familiar and charming anecdotes about the man we had just buried. I witnessed family members reach out to one another for the first time in many years. I saw a lot of tissues filled with tears wadded up in clenched fists. And then I saw something that I will never, ever forget. A man unknown to me walked right over to one of the daughters, devastated by the loss of both of her parents. He placed his hand on her shoulder and he said, Don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. And then he walked away. God won't give you more than you can handle. I'm sure that all of us here have heard this statement or some form of it at least once in our lives. It is part of that trite and cliche Christian lingo that we use to fill uncomfortable silences when we don't know what else to say. And it's not true. God won't give you. We've talked about this with every sermon in the series so far. God doesn't give us our sufferings. God is not some sadist who delights in our trials and tribulations. God is not some 
architect of divine destruction. God is not sitting up in heaven plotting away about what terrible things he can send for us to handle. Can you imagine going to a devastated neighborhood in Chicago to families whose sons have been killed by gunfire and saying, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. Can you imagine going to a young mother recently diagnosed with breast cancer and saying, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. Can you imagine going to the millions of people who are so terrified right now about losing their health care coverage and saying, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. God did not kill those family sons. God did not give that woman breast cancer. And God is not responsible for the arguments about whether or not to eradicate the Affordable Care Act. Sometimes we say things like, God won't give you more than you can handle because we don't know what else to say. We encounter this shadow of suffering and death that is so suffocating we don't know how to respond. So instead... We fill that awful void with awful words and we make God into a monster. The problem is that when we use trite and cliche words like the ones we're confronting this morning, we imply that God willfully chooses to make people like you suffer. Jesus, God incarnate, had been on the road for a while, going from town to town, from synagogue to synagogue, proclaiming the good news teaching about the kingdom of God and healing people on the margins of society. Word about his ministry spread pretty fast and he returned to Capernaum for a few days, perhaps to rest. But so many people knew where he was that they surrounded the house and Jesus spoke the word to them. Some friends heard that this was happening so they went to their paralyzed friend and carried him on a mat to Jesus. When they could not bring him to the Messiah because of the crowd, they carried him up onto the roof. They dug through the ceiling and they lowered their friend to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralytic, but the friends who carried him, he looked at the paralytic and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. What a strange and beautiful story. Friends with such profound faith were willing to carry their friend and dig through a roof just so we could encounter the living God. I often wonder about the tradition of pallbearers at funerals. Did it start out of a practical necessity? Is there some theological purpose behind it? it is, is it uniquely Christian? But on the day that I buried a husband after burying his wife the week before, the day I saw a man say to a daughter who was suffering, God won't give you more than you can handle, I saw for the first time the connection between what the pallbearers were doing and the friends who carried their friend to Jesus. When we cannot handle what's happening in our lives, we need people who can carry us, carry us and the ones we love to Jesus. We will face adversity in our lives. We will experience hardships. We or someone we love may struggle with depression or suicidal thoughts or grief that's so heavy it feels like someone sitting on our chest. We might give in to the temptation of an addiction and lose contact with the people we need most. We might fall into a pit of financial debt that feels so impossible to climb out of. If we're like most human beings, at some point we will absolutely face things that are more than we can handle. So here's a corrective. 
It's not that God won't give you more than you can handle, but that God will help you handle all that you've been given. This acknowledges that trials and tribulations will occur, and it promises that when we go through the muck and the grime of life, that God will be there with us. When we're going through hard times, whether they're given to us by the randomness of life or they're a result of our own sinfulness or they're signs of our captivity to the powers and principalities, it is good and right for us to admit, I can't handle this by myself. It's good and right for us to say, I need help. There are times when all of us need a doctor or a therapist to carry us. More often we need family, friends, pastors, neighbors, and brothers and sisters in our church to come alongside to carry us through. God does not give us more than we can handle. God gives us Jesus Christ so that we can handle all that life gives us. For a lot of people, what happened on Friday in D.C. was more than they could handle. Whether it was the pent-up frustration with political rhetoric that overflowed over the last 18 months, or witnessing a billionaire place his hands on Abraham Lincoln's Bible, or experiencing the great swing of the pendulum from one political ideology to another, for some people, it felt overwhelming. And so some responded with violent protests and destroyed shop windows and attacked the police. Others responded peacefully with demonstrations, making sure their voice wasn't stomped out among all the others shouting. There, of course, were the political talking heads offering their opinions about who's right and who's wrong. There were smug smiles and there were frightening frowns. The inauguration for some people was more than they could handle. For others, the last eight years has been more than they could handle. Well, there was the constant feeling like the country was slipping out of their fingers or the realization that the American dream is not what it once was or the rise of oppositional voices. For some people, the last eight years felt more than they could handle. And so some responded with protests and boycotts of particular institutions. Others responded by focusing inwardly. And still yet others waited patiently for a new hope to arise. For eight years, there were plenty of talking heads offering their unsolicited opinion about who was right and who was wrong. The last eight years for some people was more than they could handle. And some say the time has come for us to all get along. A couple weeks ago, on the first day of this year, I even told you that we as a church should have a collective New Year's resolution to be more kind. Kindness and getting along are good and nice. But there are people around us, people in our lives, who need more than kindness and getting along. There are people desperately clinging to the hope of their health care coverage and are unsure about what's going to happen. There are people who are hopeless right now when they think about their joblessness and their economic future. There are people shaking and quaking about their faith and whether or not they're going to be forced to register themselves because they wear a piece of cloth over their heads. There are people who see police officers not as charming members of the community, but as the enemy. There are people here in Stanton, there are people in this church who have more than they can handle right now. And we need people 
Like the friends who carried their friend to Jesus to carry us and others when they have too much to handle in their lives. We need people who can look at us in the eye and tell us that we have a problem. We need people who can call their friends every night just to get them through a period of loss. We need people like all the women who marched in solidarity all across the world yesterday. We need people with eyes wide open to the suffering of the people around us so that it will not go unnoticed. We need people who are unafraid of the consequences for questioning the status quo. Right now, we need people who are brave enough to carry us to Jesus. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.